You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Strap yourself in for the next 15 or so minutes as we chatted up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. My name is Tim Allenball and FSU is coming off a bye week after starting the season 2-0. Up next, the Seminoles travel to face a team that has been troublesome for Florida State the past few seasons. It's the Louisville Cardinals. And to better help our listeners get to know the Cards, we have John Powell from our SB Nation sister site, a.k.a. Cardinal Strong, jumping in from Card Chronicle to help us get to know Louisville a little bit better. John, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, excited to, uh, to get to know you uh, a little bit better and get to know Louisville a bit better. Uh, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Louisville rolls into Friday night's game with a one-on-one record. From a non-Louisville insider's perspective, um, I think most of us that are not, you know, really following Louisville as close thought the Cardinals would be 2-0 and at this point. Um, what do you think has been the main problem so far in the early season for Louisville? Um, you, I know you got some time constraints, Tim, so I'll, I'll cut it. I'll keep it short, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But the, the gist of it, the frustration, I guess, from most fans and myself included was we felt kind of like we got a little uh, bamboozled from, you know, what we had talked about all off season, where the improvements were going to come from and where we were going to see, um, you know, changes take place and that kind of thing. So I felt like uh, I was telling a friend the other day, it was uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, cinematic masterpiece of black sheep from the uh, late nineties. Uh, yes. Yes. There's a scene where uh, I don't remember the character's name, but Chris Farley is falling down a hill like, for a, a long duration of time. And uh, 
And then at the end, he's like, you know, what the heck was that? You know, and that's basically what me, I was watching the Syracuse game. You know, it was just like one play after another. We just uh, seemed to just shoot ourselves in the foot over and over again. And, and the frustration was, you know, uh, half of it's for the coaching staff. A, a piece of it is frustrated at myself that I've kind of been tricked into thinking that, you know, we corrected all these issues and that we were seeing the same type stuff that we'd seen the last couple of years. But, um, you know, at a, at a very high level, once again, I'll keep it kind of uh, uh, low key or, uh, you know, not, not go too in depth, but um, the staff made it very clear in the off season that, they wanted Malik to focus on improving as a pocket pocket passer, going through his progressions and that kind of stuff. And, and they were limiting some of his abilities with running. They basically told him in the spring, they came out and said, flat out said, don't run the ball. We want you to work on, you know, hitting your, your, your check downs and stuff like that. And honestly, he came out in the first game and it looked like he hadn't run the ball in 10 months, right? It was just very, uh, it didn't seem natural. It didn't seem fluid like it had in years past. I think uh, I don't remember the exact stat, but Syracuse held him to like 2.6 yards a carry or something like that. It was like the lowest we'd seen in a couple of years from him. Um, and so he just seemed uncomfortable and, and, and they, he keyed in on one of their new wideouts and just didn't really spread the ball around it. It just was not a great offensive game plan. And it didn't appear. And on the defensive side, it was more of the same stuff we fought with the last few years with missed tackles, missed assignments, um, just didn't seem like they were really locked in, didn't come with any type of energy. You know, it, it was it was very disheartening to see uh, coming out an opponent that you handled very easily just nine, ten months ago um, to come out and basically just get rolled, you know, and do a complete 180. Uh, very frustrating to see for sure. And But there was issues on on both sides of the ball that, seemed to be kind of carrying over what we'd seen in seasons past, which was even even more challenging to digest, I guess. So. I, I almost, when I was pre-planning, I almost wanted to write, I almost, I had it written down and I erased it. Did Louisville go into this offseason with the plan of the, the, the cliche, we want our athletic elite rushing quarterback to work on passing? <laughs> I mean, you answered that right there. Uh, it, so, it almost so never goes well. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I don't know, you know, and some of these, I, I feel like the coach is trying to, for the betterment of the player, you know, like, hey, let's try to develop him, get him ready for the next level, that kind of thing. But to what detriment, you know, getting yeah. getting blown out by Syracuse in the first game? I mean, you know, so I, uh, I don't think he's, in my personal opinion, Malik Cunningham is not a pro quarterback prospect. You know, he might be able to play at the next level at a different position, but I don't think that he is at that caliber. Um, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I don't think there's any type of development that they could have done this off season that would have elevated him to, you know, becoming that caliber. I think it's really just a, it hurt the team in general with the way they kind of came out. And we saw the the effects of that on UCF when they basically admitted Satterfield came out later and said like, yeah, we just got to let him be him and play his game. And then he goes for 120 yards against, you know, central Florida. So uh, right. on the ground. So I don't know. It just seemed like a bonehead move. It's easy for me to sit here and say that, but uh, you know, from an off season where he made it abundantly clear that that was what they were trying to do. 
and then we saw the results of it. So yeah, I I felt like when I, I watched the Syracuse film, Syracuse found success by bringing one or two extra rushers and basically just doing almost man-to-man coverage on Louisville's wideouts, um, one-on-one situations. You know, Louisville, I was reading your, your uh, the Card Chronicle wide receiver preseason uh, uh, you know, preview where now two straight years Louisville has lost their top two receivers. Gone this year is Jordan Watkins and Tyler Harrell. Is there somebody in this wide receiver position group that you expect to break out against Florida State, or is this a major concern for Louisville? You know, uh, all offseason we kept hearing about um, Tyler Hudson, or T. Huddy is his nickname. Uh, He's a transfer in from Central Florida. Um, Great wide receiver. You know, if you you, uh, were to watch film on him or, you know, do a little bit of digging, he's an all – FCS level type player. He was an all-conference player. I think he was offensive player of the year twice, you know, at that level. And so they brought him in with the understanding that, hey, we've got to replace a ton of yardage, a ton of talent at that position. And they were hyping him up all offseason. And I think, you know, once again, hand up, I was buying into the hype and and he is a good wideout. But what we kind of overlooked was they weren't really talking about many other wideouts throughout the summer. So um, we brought back, um, a couple guys, uh, in Amari Huggins, Bruce, uh, super fast, uh, really talented guy. Um, and then the same thing for Braden Smith, he was injured last year, but he came back as well. So he was, uh, coming back. We'd kind of forgotten about him. So a little bit, right. Cause he didn't play too much in the 21 season. So, um, bringing him in and then they went down to Miami and they got D Higgins or, uh, D Wiggins from, uh, Miami. And so we had a couple guys that were bringing in a couple guys coming back and we felt like, okay, they've kind of pieced something together here. Um, and then in the first game we saw Malik just key in on uh, Hudson constantly and he got his, I mean, uh, I think he had eight catches for over a hundred yards in the game against Syracuse, but then we saw no distribution of the ball anywhere else. You know, I think the other wideouts only had, I think the next guy had like two catches and then we had, two, three guys with one catch each. And so we knew moving forward that wasn't going to work. And so they did get uh, Huggins the ball um, in the UCF game. They got Braden Smith involved a little bit as well. And so I think those are two guys uh, to keep an eye on moving forward as far as um, they don't have that uh, Tyler Harrell or like two, two Atwell type big playability in my brain but they're close. I think they can still make big plays. Um, Huggins, Bruce, I think he's got like uh, uh, four or five catches on the year and he's averaging like 20 yards of reception or something. Right. So, I mean, it's, he's a, he's a big play guy. He can, he can, uh, he can make a play with the ball. Uh, they just got to get it to him. Got to get him a little bit of space to work in. I, I want to kind of touch on that in the next question. We, I mean, we know even with the early season slump that Malik Cunningham, is one of the most dangerous offensive threats in the ACC. Uh, I mean, if you could kind of just take a minute and give some thoughts. I, I, so you've already kind of given your thoughts on his play, but like, let's kind of talk about the running backs, the offensive line, the tight end, you know, maybe just some names to know, or, you know, are there areas that you're really confident or really concerned about with these uh, levels of the offense? Yeah. You know, I won't make the, they have a stable of backs joke since we're in Louisville, but uh, they've got a, a four, four guys really that 
can play. So far this year, we've really only seen um, three for the most part. Um, but uh, we thought there was going to be this rotational element and how are they going to balance it out? And then uh, about a week or two before uh, the season kicked off, they named uh, Tyon Evans as the starting back. He's a transfer in from Tennessee. Uh, he played limited last year a little bit. He had uh, a little bit of injury, and then there was some little off-field stuff uh, that I don't think they've released too much about. But he came in, uh, and, you know, I hate to be the – it just means more SEC guy, right? But he he was an SEC back. I mean, he was talented. He was showing uh, uh, that he had skills. He had speed. He had uh, – the push uh, and in the first couple games we've seen that he's been impressive so that's definitely a name to keep an eye on he's separated himself from the rest of the uh, running back group um, Jalen Mitchell has been here uh, with Louisville for a number of years and he's a talented back he's not a home run guy but he'll he'll power you three four yards consistently um, so he's somebody they like to use on third downs as well um, offensive line um, we were sold that these guys were going to be a beast. Uh, we've got a bunch of returning talent, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, starts returning. Uh, four out of the five guys were returning from last year. And the one who uh, wasn't a returning starter started six games, you know, on a rotational basis. So they were all guys coming in. We knew the scheme, knew the system, knew Satterfield's offense. And they didn't look great against Syracuse and they just looked okay against uh, UCF, just to be honest. And, uh, and it's a little disheartening and frustrating because you thought this was going to kind of be the key uh, to the offensive success. And uh, Satterfield loves to establish the run and you got to have a good O-line to do that. And so as good as Evans has been, I think the backs could be even better if they were getting a little bit more support from the, you know, from the O-line. Um, and then I kind of touched on the wide receivers already, but yeah, I'll, I'll just say this real quick about Malik. I'm a Malik guy. Uh, I like him. He's a good quarterback. He's a good college quarterback. Um, I think in 10 years, people will say, oh, yeah, I remember Malik Cunningham. He's not going to be a, oh, yeah, Malik Cunningham. He's a Louisville legend kind of guy. And the unfortunately for him, he's going to be all over the record books. I mean, he's a six-year guy here. He's got tons of stats that he's built up but the most important stat is wins. And he just hasn't gotten them. Uh, when you look at him in comparison to like a Teddy or a Lamar, you know, coming up uh, before him. And so um, he's racking up numbers. He's putting up a lot of touchdowns. He's putting up a lot of yards, but they're just not winning as many games. Um, and to be fair, you know, they're in the ACC. Uh, Lamar was in the ACC, but Teddy didn't have to compete, you know, at that level. But um, I like him. He's a good good quarterback, but um, I don't know if he's a, a Louisville legend when we reflect back on it 10, 15 years from now. If only he was a Brom, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, jumping over to the uh, defensive side of the ball, uh, I feel like Louisville's defense has really struggled against the run. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. They gave up exactly 208 yards on the ground in both games so far. Um What's the culprit there? Is it the defensive line? Is it the linebackers? Is there not enough run support? Why is Louisville getting gashed the way that they are? I wish I had a great answer. I think it's a little bit of everything you touched on. Um, 
you know, once again, I, I just feel like every program's the same, right? Coming out of the off season, you hear all the, the positives of, oh man, we've improved so much. We've got more experience, more talent. We're bigger, we're stronger, we're faster, you know, all that good stuff. And up front, we do have some very impressive um, ends in Ashton Gelati and uh, Yaya Diaby, two guys that have been here for a little bit. Gelati's just a sophomore. Uh, Diaby's a senior. Uh, but the big thing that we're, we've been missing is a true nose tackle in the middle that to help create pressure. And so they went and they got um, Jermaine Lole from Arizona State as a transfer. And he was coming in and he was going to be like the missing piece, right? Like this is a talented guy. He didn't play much last year within, due to injury. They brought him in. I don't know the exact number. He played some snaps in the Syracuse game. And then we found out afterward, oh, he's hurt. He's out for the year. And so now we're back to um, Des Tell, who is a, just a sophomore. He's trying to get his weight up. You know, he's trying to get into that mold of being a nose tackle. Not quite there yet, um, but he's working his way there. So the the front has been more successful against UCF than what we saw in Syracuse for sure. But it's just a challenge that we've seen the last few years. I'm a Bill, I'm a Bill Conley guy. They're not creating the havoc, right? The, they're not getting into the backfield. They're not creating the QB pressures that we would expect to see uh, consistently from some of those guys. We had a great linebacking core in the last couple of years experience. Now we've got some more experience there as we brought some guys up. And once again, we're seeing some guys get in there. Um, I think in the first two games, I remember uh, seeing, I think they've already got 10 players that at least have one, you know, tackle for loss and four or five guys with a sack. So it's improving, but they're still not there yet consistently um, with getting pressure. And then that just opens up the game for all, you know, all types of runs. Um, and it seems like from a frust <laughs> frustrations level, it seems like runs right up the middle are some of the more successful runs uh, that teams have against us. And that's really where our, our talent is. Uh, they brought in uh, Momo Sonogo from uh, Ole Miss uh, at the middle linebacker spot. Um, he's played okay, um, uh, but he's filling in for C.J. Avery, who'd been here for a number of years and was a, you know, a core team lead captain. Um, and they've got uh, um, Yasir yeah, Abdullah on the outside, uh, Monty Montgomery in the middle, um, and then uh, a card position, uh, kind of like the float where a linebacker right. or cornerback can play that position. And uh, they've got an up-and-coming guy, Ben Perry, there that um, uh, has been doing okay as well. But it's like that across the board. It's like, okay, they're all right, you know, but we're not seeing any superstars. Um, the big off-season push was to boost their secondary uh, because that was they were just getting torched. Um, game after game. So they went out, they got a bunch of transfers. Um, uh, they got MJ Griffin from Temple, who we've seen a little bit of, and uh, trying to remember Nicario Harper from Jacksonville State. So those two guys we've seen very little of, but Quincy Riley from Middle Tennessee, and then somebody that you guys are familiar with, probably in Jarvis Brownlee, they they uh, went and snagged as well. I think we did a, uh, a trade for Greedy Vance with you guys. <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> Yeah. future draft picks and some cash or something. I don't know on the table, right. but, um, but Brownlee's come in, he's actually been a starter both games and, and he's been uh, FSU Brownlee, right? He's, he, he's gotten torched a few times and he's made some good plays as well. So um, 
he, he kind of fits right in with the rest of the secondary. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect description of Brownlee. There were times where he was the hero, and uh, especially in that Jacksonville State game, he was the GOAT. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I know yeah. that. He, know that well, he got an interception uh, there late against UCF. Yep. Uh, it didn't quite seal it, but next to last drive, you know, put us in a good position to, to close that one out. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped that uh, Plumlee suddenly did not ha- know how to throw any kind of pass. Uh, for that, UCF. <laughs> that was helpful. Yes. Forgetting how to quarterback has always beneficial for the defense. Uh, all right. So last kind of serious question here. What's your general feeling for the game? Uh, I mean, the last time Florida State started 2-0 and uh, in a season was the game. Their next, their third game was when they traveled up to Louisville and basically presented the Heisman Trophy to Lamar Jackson and got torched. Um, so uh, what's your confidence level for Friday night? Um. So I don't know if this is just like uh, growing up loving college football and just like seeing Florida State, you know, and, and just putting them in this different echelon as, you know, a, a blue blood, if you will. And I feel like every time we play them, it's always like, oh, man, it's Florida State. We got to get up for them. And I remember when they first came in, the Louisville first came in the ACC, you know, it was Florida State and Clemson in the Atlantic. And it was like, that's who we're chasing. You know, that's who we got to go after. And, you know, if you told me eight years in, we're going to be four and four against Florida State and we're going to, you know, what, four and two the last six years, I guess, um, I would take it for sure. Um, So I don't know what, you know, I know Florida State's in some down years based on their standard, but every time we play, I, I just always have this in the back of my mind, like, man, it's, it's Florida state. Like it's going to be a challenge uh, every time we go against them. And so even if we have maybe the superior team on paper, I always feel like it's just going to be a dog fight. And so I've been proven wrong a few times where Louisville's come out, as you referenced in 2016 and made it, uh, you know, very enjoyable. And then in the opposite as well, where you know, Florida state's handled business too. So this year it's a coin flip for me. I think, you know, um, uh, I think Vegas says it's close to a pick them, you know, one or two points or something like that. So um, I think that's about fair, especially with Louisville at home, getting probably a few points for being at home as well. Um, before the season started, I think I picked this one as a win. Um, but what I've seen from the offense so far just doesn't give me a, a lot of confidence heading into this contest. I know Florida State uh, is going to just run the football um, with probably a fair amount of success, uh, if, if I had to guess. Um, and so it's going to be up to the offense to just kind of play, keep, you know, keep up with, uh, what Florida state's doing. And I don't know if they have the, the, uh, the guys to do it from what I've seen so far this year, I hope they turn it on. Uh, but, um, I'm probably in that, you know, 50, 45, 50% confidence level, you know, not, not not real great, uh, but but I wouldn't be shocked if they go out there and surprise them either. Yeah, um, I tell you, Malik's legs will always scare me. Uh, I, I think Florida State struggles a little bit against uh, a running quarterback. You know, it's a struggle for all defenses. So I, I feel like I'm probably in the same boat with you. I'm more of a negative Florida State pessimistic fan, so <laughs> I always assume the worst. So uh, yeah. about a 50-50 coin flip seems right. Well, uh, I can't let you go without doing a final – uh, just goof off type question. It is a uh, choose your own adventure type question. I'm going to give you three categories. 
you tell me which category you want a question from, and then we'll call it a night. So uh, would you like a professional wrestling question, uh, mm -hmm. Kentucky State Fair food-related question, uh, or just TV streaming? Ooh, I'm going to go off the wall with the State Fair food question. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I live up here uh, in Kentucky, so we go to the Kentucky State Fair every year with my family. Uh, but one thing, I, I'm a picky eater. I have not tried. Have you tried the Krispy Kreme cheeseburger? I have not. Oh. I'll tell you what. Tell you what. 2022. What was it? Uh, you know, two weeks ago we were there, and uh, I was very close. This is probably the closest year that I've been to pulling the trigger. I saw somebody uh, walking by with one, and I wasn't immediately grossed out, which was, you know, what I had been in the past. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's going to wear on me and eventually I'll, I'll jump in. But I have not done that. No, unfortunately. I, I just can't. I, I, I just <laughs> it just seems like way too many different flavors at one time. I, I just I, I if I do end up at some point on a dare or something or to save somebody's life, have to eat a Chris, or a Krispy Kreme burger. It's going to have to be plain. I can't do the cheese on it. That just sounds even worse. Just, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we can go. I don't think we can throw cheese on a donut. Uh, that's where I draw the line, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, Erler's ice cream, which flavor are you getting? Oh, uh, man, I'm a cookies and cream kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, I knew yeah. I liked you, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, take a moment. Pimp yourself out. Tell us about your site, where everybody can find you. Yeah, so uh, during the season, I do a weekly Q&A over at Card Chronicle, and then I also do a, uh, a countdown during the summer, uh, counting down until kickoff, so breaking down each of the uh, individual players on the roster, and then uh, as the season wraps, I'll usually do some recap pieces and stuff as well, but uh, go by Cardinal Strong over there. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at Cardinal Strong, and uh, yeah, check, check myself out, and uh, Mike and Keith and all the rest of the guys who do a great job uh, writing for the site over at Card Chronicle. Well, John, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And I uh, hope we get to see you good one Friday night. Yes, sir. All right. Well, for the Line of Scrimmage podcast, my name's Tim Allenball. Thanks for checking us out. Go over to Tomahawk Nation for all the coverage. And we will see what happens this Friday in Louisville.